everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk episode 598. Yeah, two away from 600. Gosh, all those episodes lost in time. Well, actually, they're not lost in time. You can get them on iTunes or wherever it is that you get your iPods, your podcasts. Uh, though we only did video from about episode two or three hundred i forget now anyway which music technology podcast is what i'm talking about though we talk about software hardware synthesizers music production all the kind of stuff around it so do stay tuned if that's your bag uh, and do subscribe if you've not already uh, discovered us and perhaps this is your first time be more than happy to have you i'd also like to say uh, thank you very much to our friends over at isotope who will be giving away a full copy of ozone 9 advanced uh, as a prize so you want to stay tuned for that because it's a very simple way to enter so do stick around for that one um, let's say hello to our guests. Well, we'll say hello to our chatties. We've got people in the chat room. We've got people in the IRC as well. Or we would have once I'd, uh, once I'd put the IRC uh, 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 input together, which I've obviously forgotten. But I want to say hello to uh, our guests. We're going to start over here because we've got a kind of triumvirate. Uh, it looks a little bit like maybe uh, I'm conducting a criminal investigation and they're under lights. And maybe if there were some kind of grid lines behind. But actually... It's not. They're not in a police interview room. They're at ADC in London. And we have Gaz Williams, who you will know, of course, from being on the show. Uh, on the, uh, my left, we've got Penny the Business, who is uh, a, a, a highly renowned YouTuber, but mostly a music producer. In fact, Henny, Henny you, you, we hear that you just got Grammy nominated today, right? Yes, 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 yes. Five times now. Yes, it's Whoa. awesome. Thank you. Wow, what'd you get nominated for? <laughs> Uh, it would be best rap album for uh, J. Cole Dreamville's album, uh, Revenge of the Dreamers 3. So uh, it's pretty awesome. Nice. And how is it? Because, I mean, you must uh, that you must have finished work on that, like, I don't know, however long ago. And now it's sort of coming back at you. Had you sort of forgotten about that? Or it's how long ago did you actually finish work on it? Uh, we finished work on it on January. Uh, the album came out in July. And, uh, yeah, it's been doing very well. It's platinum right now. So it's been awesome. Nice, nice. I'm going to have to quiz you a bit more about that. But uh, we've also got on the right-hand side, we've got uh, Matt. Now, I've got to pronounce this right, Matt. Uh, Matt Hesher. Fesher, Fesher, Fesher. Matt, Fe Matt Fesher from Audio Kit, who is uh, iOS. I guess is it I do a iOS developer or is it um, desktop as well? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I created uh, Audio Kit Synth One, Audio Kit D One. And Audio Synth One's completely open source synthesizer. It's now the most used uh, synthesizer on iOS, iPad, iPhone. Wow! So we got app royalty in today. So these I guys have zero Grammys, zero Grammys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what so. can you? Could, there must be an ADC. There must be a developer equivalent for that. I don't know what it is. You know. <laughs> Kudos. Yeah, something like that. So uh, you guys are at ADC. Uh, I'll come back to you now, but I, uh, in a moment, I'm just going to introduce Ty as well, because he's also here from uh, the studio in uh, in the Cotswolds, where uh, you may recognize him for such videos as, and I spotted this the other day, actually, the uh, Studio Logic Grand uh, Controller, which I was watching earlier, and also the uh, Spitfire BBC uh, Symphony Orchestra Library, which Ty very kindly did with us. So you've 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 come out the other side of your massive workload, right? So you've got a little bit of airtime. I'm, I'm taking a big chunk of time off. Woo! And big you're choosing chunk. to spend it with us. Wow. What an honour. I'm choosing to spend with you now. But That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what no, we can afford. It's going to be great. I, I just, I need it. I mean, when I last saw you, I was coming towards the end of a, it's not been a, it's been a really hard summer in terms of work. So, um, 
so yeah so it's all done and so i've just said no to everything so i've got two or three months off excellent so, so you can start wrapping christmas presents and putting up the decorations and building snowmen and all those things that normal people exactly do what i'll be doing exactly normal what's that yeah exactly Definitely. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us, Ty. It's lovely to have you. Um, so I'm going to come back to you guys. Um, tell us about the ADC then, because you were, were you all on the same panel. Was Tell us what panel panels you've been on. Yes. So, uh, so Matthew here kindly got in touch with me and asked me to be part of this panel with, with Henny and actually with uh, Henrik, who created Oxy, which is another great iOS app, and Matt Derbyshire, um, formerly of uh, Focusrite, he's actually just left them um, to be a full-time dad, which is cool. Uh, but we were brought in to talk basically about mobile versus desktop. So uh, I'll, let, I'll let Matt come in here because uh, you were the guy who really brought this all together. Yeah, we're just kind of talking about future uses of mobile apps and desktop apps and where they diverge and where they come together and where we think the future is going. And it was a real lively discussion. And he talked about how he's a full-time iOS music producer now, doing everything on there. And I'll let him speak to that. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, for the last five years, I've been doing nothing but uh, trying to be as professional as possible on iOS devices, such as my iPad Pro, iPad Mini, or uh, even using my iPhone to create uh, professional music. So it's it's been quite the journey you know, to deal with, uh, you know, the, the clack knots and you know, all that. Oh, yeah. But, um, uh, for the most part, it's been it's been a, it's been an amazing experience so far. So yeah. yeah. So, so you, we, sorry. Sorry, I was going to say we did we did the the panel was uh, yesterday afternoon. So like today we're a little bit worse for wear because we kind of hit the town big style yesterday. <laughs> yes. Well, I was there for the early part of the evening, and I hope I, I hope you haven't broken Ed because he came along as well, and I know he was. Uh, he, he, he may have felt some, somewhat at ease because he was in his hometown and thought, what's the worst that can happen? I don't want to know details of the evening. Uh, Henny, can I just come back to you a sec? Because one of the reasons I first came across you because you uh, do a lot of video editing stuff as well. I mean, we were talking about it yesterday. You did that kind of breakthrough video, which was bizarrely on video editing, which is using LumaFusion, which we're very keen on uh, for our remote stuff. So you're using... You're using iPad, you know, in the studio on the on the Grammy stuff as well. So you show up with the iPad and and you're what contributing beats. I mean, what's what's your con what stuff are you doing on that? Yeah, so uh, I've been doing everything from uh, yeah, you know, music, you know, doing the beats, uh, bringing in you know live musicians, guitars, basses, uh, drumming, uh, drummers, percussionists, all using um, you know mobile interfaces, Apogee, you know, Zoom, some of these other products to be able to record on the go. Actually, the the, the song that was nominated for the Grammy this year uh, that I worked on, we actually did it, uh, the melodies and the guitar parts in the car driving around. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, driving around the interstate while we were recording it as a process to see if it would work. And the melody came out so good that it became uh, yeah, a part of this album that is now Grammy nominated. But I'm also using LumaFusion and, and uh, quite a other uh, awesome apps to just try to make it a full, complete iOS package. So I don't barely ever use a Mac at all these days. So is there a point at which it does go to, like, you know, I'm thinking for mix or for, for that sort of thing, is there a point where it does actually uh, transition into desktop for, for you guys? Or, or is it you, you, you stay, you're completely staying away from that? 
No, 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 definitely. I know most people that I collaborate with are still using laptops, Macs, MacBook Pros, the whole nine. So what I usually do is export stems um, and then we'll take them right into Pro Tools. So it's kind of going back to the normal process after it, touch, after it leaves my hands. But I have been able to do some full on all the way through uh, creations from uh, beginning to end just using the iPad Pro. So, yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. I know, Ty, I mean, you know, we're looking at you. I mean, I'm sure lots of people have got big facilities and big studios or what have you. I mean, no, you've got a mobile rig, but you've not taken, you know, the the, 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 pure, the, the, the purest mobile form, iOS or whatever, has it? Sorry? I, I, I tried it. Ah, okay. And, uh, I mean, within a day, I felt like kicking somebody or throwing the iPad Pro against the wall and... You can't, to be fair, you, the kind of stuff I do, you can't, you can't do it on a, you can't do it on an iPad. Because you got a loaded massive orchestral libraries and stuff, they it, just won't fit. Yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing works out once. And also, you know, kind of, no matter how great the interface is, I've got sausage fingers, and so, you know, kind of doing that I, drives me round the bend. So I literally, I tried, and I've, I still keep buying the software. And my, you know, my iPads are full of all the software, but every time I try to use it, it's just, I want to scream. So yeah, I, I manage a few hours and then it's just like, you know, no, I'd rather go and stick my head in the oven to be fair. So. Well, I guess just that's to- fine. I mean, also, I mean, also the thing is, is I guess, Henny, you probably for, for for you, you may have had time to explore this before kind of turning up a paid session. <laughs> You're not kind of experimenting on the fly so much, maybe, right? No, it took, it took a few years, you know, it started uh, back in 2015, just trying to see how possible it was. And I got locked out of the studio multiple times when I just brought in an iPad Air 2 and uh, tried to make, you know, try to make a, a, a believer out of everybody in the room. So it took some time to get everybody to believe, but uh, it's getting better and better. So you're yeah. a sort of evangelical preacher for the iOS uh, domain, right? Essentially, that's your kind of uh, other title, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I was just going to say, it's great in theory. And if you can make it work, it's absolutely brilliant. And, you know, I know people that do do it and it's, it absolutely works for them. And, uh, it's, I mean, it's great. I wish it just worked for me and cottage fingers, but nah, not that's happy. fair enough. So, um, Matt, um, uh, coming back to you, and, and the, so what? What was the outcome? You know, what? Where is? Where are we in that kind of convergence? Uh, and how does it? You know, from your point of view, how do you? How is it? How is it working out? Oh well, I guess the entire conference decided to throw away their laptops, and now we all have to make music on iPhones. I think. Yeah. What, well, what happens? And you're joining <laughs> us on an iPhone as well. You know, so there we go. Right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we. we yeah, um, no, it was a spirited uh, debate, and you know, I think a lot of great new ideas uh, came out of it. And I think the whole thing's going to be on YouTube, mm. even with a, a cameo from uh, yours truly. Right? Oh yeah, I fired in a question. What was my question? What do you have to do to make people abandon the desktop to come into iOS devices or uh, handheld devices? I think I, I I actually did speak to you guys last night at the uh, at the excellent breakfast bar that we met in, and uh, there was no conclusive answer to that particular question, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for the most part, I, all I was saying is that, you know, when it comes to getting more people to switch over, you just got to, uh, there has to be, you know, more news about it, more people being, you know, doing successful products, pro- uh, projects, 
uh, with these devices. And the more they become successful, the more people are saying that it's possible. So, you know, hopefully we can continue to, to, to get the word out as we do things uh, in a professional manner. It's interesting, though, isn't it? Because many, in many ways, you know, te music technology has got to the point, you know, for you, Ty, for me, you know, we've all designed these kind of highly personalised workflows that present the path of least resistance from the idea to the finished product. When you're working on a cutting-edge platform, you're constantly battling with, oh, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? And I mean, I guess, uh, Henny, you're, you, you're, and I know, Gaz, you do the same thing. I mean, it, uh, how, uh, it depends how much of your time and your bandwidth you're prepared to devote to that side of it rather than just getting on with the actual job in hand, I suppose, right? You've got to be fairly obsessive about it, driven, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's, you have, it's, like, it's like a testament. Right? You, you have to, you, you know, I had to throw away pretty much the idea of saying, let me just try to make sure I can do both and use one uh, as just a way to kind of tinker and then go back to my normal using Macs, using MacBooks, you know, uh, to fully create like I've been past 15, 20 years, you got to, you know, get into the mindset is if this is possible, let me see it all the way through. And uh, yeah, it, can, it can get frustrating. But as, as us guys over here as beta testers in the world of iOS musicianship, uh, there's no better great uh, feeling is when it starts to really work. So. Excellent. All right. Well, I'm being uh, I'm being asked now to, uh, uh, to to stop talking about this and get on with some synths. But we will come back to this. I try not to be influenced by the chat room too much, and I, I fully expect to uh, to go my own way. But um, let's uh, let's start. I think this is going to work. But I just wanted to uh, drop this in here. So Benj has just released. I don't know if you, you are all aware of Benj. Benj is uh, a kind of really well known synthesis. He did uh, a whole bunch of stuff with John Fox, and he's got a, a beautiful, beautiful collection of synths. And what he's done is. Uh, an album that is uh, it's just going to play I hope I've got it an album that he made essentially it's like a study on the Moog 3C he's very he's lucky enough to have a fairly decent 3C system which many you know many many people I know Ty's got a 55 a remake and Benji I think has got an original like 1960s 3C and he's built this uh, series of tracks like an EP I guess just using that and a couple of other things. And he said, I, I've just, uh, I think some of the notes say that what he's done is, uh, let me try, actually, let me try the last one. The last one's got a little bit more melodic content, so it develops a bit more. Let me just uh, fast forward that a bit. Um, and he said, he basically, uh, to, to create some stereo imagery, just delayed one side by 500 milliseconds. But essentially, this is a study on a single instrument called Field Effect Studies by Benj. I thoroughly recommend it. Um, but... Ty, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, and you've, you, I know you, you're a collect synth collector. I mean, you don't like to let anything go. I, I've, I've witnessed the, uh, the rooms full of stuff. But, you know, generally your day-to-day -day work, you know, you really do have to uh, use whatever is the fault. Yeah. So, yeah. But, I mean, what about the, co the concept, the idea, I mean, the idea of writing f using one instrument and that using that as that limitation. I mean, we've talked about limitations before and they're usually a set of things, but the idea of having just like, okay, I'm going to use one synthesizer. I mean, that, does that appeal to you at all? Just yeah, your it, creative? It, it appeals a lot. It, for me, though, it would depend what the synth is because, ah. uh, you know, when you're going to go for something like, a, you know, from a 3C or, you know, sort of like, my 55 or or you know something big and juicy then then i think it's a great idea um uh, you know the, it would, i think the idea of working on one synth and if nothing else it means you absolutely have to know that synth like the back of your hand to get 
what you need out of it. And that in itself is, is uh, you know, I, now I was going to say I wish I had the time to do that. Now I have no excuses. I do have the time to do that. And but that's really valuable. Um, who was the guy that did it from the, the, the synth guy from Nine Inch Nails uh, that did um, the whole thing on an MC202? Uh, that was Alessandro Cortini. He did a whole album just on 202. I have to say that is a work of genius because anyone that can get a 202 to sound anything other than... Mm, uh, and he made it sound, he made it absolutely sing. That's incredible. So, But the idea of just getting one synth and, and uh, doing a whole album, it's a, it's a great idea. It's a great okay, idea. Okay, right, I have a question for you then. Which synth would it be? I mean, because it doesn't necessarily have to be one that you know. It could be one that you really want to get to know because you would have to get to know it to do that, right? Schmidt. Schmidt. Okay. And honestly, I mean, because it would either be the 80, the, the CS80 or the Schmidt. The thing is about the CS80 is that every, the CS80 always sounds like a CS80, if that makes sense. Every, yeah. Everything you do on an 80 sounds so, you know, you, you would be struggling to get a, a really bass sounds out of an 80 because it's not kind of made for it. And everything sounds like an 80. The thing is about the, what I love about the Schmidt is it can sound like anything you want it to sound like, if that makes sense. It's so, it's such a chameleon um, that, you know, to say a palette, the the palette is huge. So it would, without thinking, it would, it would absolutely be the Schmidt. Right. Well, that's good to know. Good to know. I appreciate that. Um, So you chaps, uh, I'm going to come, Henny, I know this, I mean, it could be an iOS instrument. I mean, you know, you don't have to, purely stick to the iOS world, but I mean, it's, it's entirely up to you. But I mean, the the concept, I mean, this album is actually, it, it's not very, because it's modular, there's not a lot of melodic evolution, shall we say. It's more textural and soundscape, which, and it's really lovely and the Moog sounds great, but he's not using these yes. kind of really big, bold Moogie sounds, but the, the concept of doing something on a single instrument, I mean, how does that appeal to you? I mean, you can't say it's an MPC either, because that's not fair, because that's something. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I think it, I think it's pretty neat. I mean, it, you know, to be able to pull off that and, you know, to do everything from the melodic stuff to the, uh, you know, the percussive stuff, uh, to be able to do it all in one instrument is, is, is very unique. So I dig it. And uh, what would you, what would you yeah. go for? What would you do? Oh. If you did it? What instrument? Oh, uh, I don't know. It probably... I don't know. Um, try to see about doing something on maybe a, a Fender, a uh, Rhodes. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Um, um, you know, because he, has, he has, has great, you know, lift going for the bass sounds, and then we can try to do some percussive things. Um, so uh, we can definitely, you know, I can definitely see something. We got more, we got more guests coming we in. We got another guest. Oh, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, what I was going to say, Nick, um, Benj did that album before, didn't he? Where, he, where every song on the album was diff- he was just a, a different single synth. synth, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's so he's, he, I, I got to hang out with him actually. He's a really, really cool guy, isn't he? Uh, yeah. He's, um, you know, uh, well, he's been doing that really interesting thing with John Grant. Um, what's it called? Um, maybe the chat room can help. Uh, with John Grant and the guy from Cabaret Voltaire as well. Oh, that was at Synthfest, wasn't it? That was the show they were doing. Creep show, creep show. show. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so he's a busy guy, man, Benj. Um, Myself, though, I've been doing tracks entirely with the new stylophone at the moment, which is quite good fun. Wow, okay. 
I got some stuff going to come out on video pretty soon uh, showing that, so that's quite cool. Um, but we've just got a little guest. Oh, come on, come another on. guest. A special guest. Come, yeah, another guest coming in. Okay. Hang on, I'll duck out. Okay, who are we got? I have no idea who we're going to get. Ah, Mr. Chris Randall from Audio yes, Damage. We spoke to you yesterday as well. Chris, uh, yes. lovely to have you aboard. Um, how's the show been for you uh, from a point of view? Been fulfilling and all of those good things? Um, yeah, it was, it was actually quite good. I mean, a lot of these people that are here I've been talking to for years or decades in some cases, and, uh, and it's nice to put uh, faces to names finally. Yeah, what's going on? Is that air conditioning? Pardon me? Was that air conditioning or aircraft? <laughs> no, it was a, I think it was an airplane flying low over London or some helicopter wow. or something. Uh, so, Chris, this was the question that we uh, that we just had. Uh, we've just covered that uh, Benj has just released an album mostly using the Moog 3C. So it's a study on that, essentially. And uh, I wondered whether or not there was an instrument or a, a, a electronic or otherwise that you would think, actually, you could do something similar. If you were in creative mode, what instrument would you choose to to, to limit yourself to using to make... Uh, a single instrument for a whole album? Yeah. Well, I suppose you couldn't say, like, uh, Kronos or something. <laughs> well, yeah, I <laughs> guess you could. But then, yeah, well, that, that would be uh, kind of... That would defeat the concept, I suppose, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, of course. I, I could, I could easily do an album with a with the Moog One. Uh, that that would be a piece of cake. Uh, drums, it's not great. It's not great at percussion sounds, but uh, but yeah. if I had to do like a full production, I would probably choose a simpler mono synth, like something that had everything that you would need. Uh, CS10, maybe. I don't ah, know. interesting. Hard, okay. hard, yeah, I would take a simple mono synth that that was still had a wide voicing range to uh, so that I like it's like you're going to use simpler to make poly sounds with a mono synth or whatever. Then it should be a straightforward synth, you know, and then do everything after the fact. Ah, okay. And then of course, if it's got something that's got plenty of width and girth, and you know, all of it's got plenty of stuff in there that you yeah. can subtract. Yeah, exactly. But you don't want too much like a minimum because that just takes over and then it's a minimum album. It's not a you album, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know? that is then, true. It's an, then it's about the minimum. Well, I mean, that's the interesting thing about the Benj one, because it doesn't sound very Moogie. It, it, oh, gosh, I said Moog right. Fantastic. That's got to be a first for a long time. It doesn't sound, it doesn't sound very Moogie or Moogie, depending on your point of view. He it, it, it hasn't gone for the big, massive oscillators, you know, dominating, no. which, which, is, which is quite interesting. It's a bit of a refreshing show. Anyway, if you want to check it out, uh, listeners, uh, it's uh, called Field Effect Studies by Benj. Uh, it's on Bandcamp, and it's uh, five tracks, I believe, but they're quite, some of them are quite long, so you do get a bunch of stuff. Released on November the 15th uh, on Meme Songs. And, in fact, I've started having a chat with Benj, and I'm hopefully we'll get him on uh, either this show or do a little interview of some description, which would be fun. Um, let's just take a quick break and uh, have uh, our, our isotope moment. I think it's probably about the time. Building on a 17-year legacy in audio mastering, Ozone 9 brings balance to your mix with never-before-seen processing for low-end, real-time instrument separation, and lightning-fast workflows powered by machine learning. Expect lower CPU usage and shorter startup times with Ozone 9 compared to Ozone 8. 
experience fluid metering in a fully resizable environment that lets you track the most subtle details of your audio. Use more plugins at once, mix while you master without worrying about slowdowns or dropouts. And immerse yourself in a smooth, modern experience designed to keep you in your creative flow. As you can see, Ozone 9 is the fastest way to get your master off the ground. Thank you so much for watching. Be sure to check out our other videos and head to isotope.com to learn more about mixing and mastering and to download your free trial of Ozone 9. Indeed you can. And if you want to find out uh, how to win a copy of Ozone 9 Advanced, then uh, we, got the, we got the details right here. So we're looking for the hashtag MatchEQ and the hashtag Ozone9 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. Uh, you, it's a Twitter competition. Um, we're looking for the hashtag MatchEQ and the hashtag Ozone9 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. Uh, we thank them very much for uh, their sponsorship of the show. Uh, and we do have a winner from last week's show. Uh, so uh, step forward, Mr. Jeffrey Derry, please, at Jeff with a J double F underscore D-E-R-Y. Uh, you entered uh, and you were picked by the, uh, the supercomputer picking algorithm that does its thing every week. Uh, so there we go. It's a bit like the one that they use for picking the uh, lottery numbers, only way cheaper. Right. OK, so uh, let's see what's next. Oh, well, OK, we've got to get this. And it's really interesting to have a bit of Behringer news that's not a synth tease, because uh, uh, let's face it, most of them usually are. So let's. Uh, oh, no, actually, what am I talking about? That'll be next. Let's do this one. So this is uh, Bitwig uh, 3.1, uh, which has just gone into beta. As they do, they start in beta, and then they go, if you're a registered user uh, with a, a current update, update plan, you can basically download it and start testing it. And a lot of it's about pitch, micro-tuning, sort of slightly wonky pitching, uh, all kinds of stuff that is using pitch to modulate other things. Lots of new modules that along that line, and uh, I won't play the whole video, but I've thought that this is kind of interesting because microtuning seems to be a thing that's happening a lot, but I'm I, I'm I'm not sure I I could uh, I could say what it, is it that is uh, microtuning. Oh, hold on, we're getting a uh, just just coming. Oh, what's that? I, so I can't. This is one. It looks surprisingly familiar. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> is that something that you're thinking that Bitwig may have taken some inspiration from, or that you've had some input into? Uh, you know, um, I know we'd be honored if they were inspired a little by it. Uh, but yeah, this is, you know, completely open source. So we would ah, right, definitely okay. encourage people to take what they can from Synth1's micro-tuning. Ah, yeah, uh, but I wonder, I, I was <laughs> going to come to you, Ty. I mean, you're a composer, you know, you're working mm -hmm. to tight deadlines, you know, Generally, people are wanting to hear things that are familiar, perhaps. You know, you're a director. It's very, I presume it's quite rare you might find a director who wants a completely atonal score. But micro-tuning, I mean, how, how useful is it in your arsenal? I mean, do you find you have to reach for it very often? Yeah, I do, actually. It's oh. uh, mainly in terms of, in a, in a kind of different way. Uh, I mean, if you're doing a kind of, you know, I did a, a score to a horror film last year. And, you know, the whole point of a horror score is you're meant to be made to feel uncomfortable. And the one great thing about microtuning is, generally speaking, for us, it makes you feel uncomfortable. So I use it quite a lot there. And also, you know, I do a load of ethnic stuff. And so you could turn around and say, you know, I try to work in authentic scales depending on 
you know, kind of where, where you know, I'm before in the world. And so, you know, I, I kind of work to scales with microtuning in, essentially. Um, yeah. And so, so I use it quite a lot. But the other thing is, don't, don't kind of forget that in the, in the 70s, when, when you were at, you know, with step sequences, a lot of that... It was just out of tune. <laughs> it was out of tune. But the thing is, it was like, I mean, go and listen to some of the stuff by, you know, kind of the sequence stuff on uh, Computer World by Craftwork. You know, a lot of those sequences, they're, you know, there's some microtuning going on there in the, the kind of, it sounds all kind of random, but a lot of it, there's no, there's no set scale or pitch to it. They're, they are out of tune, which essentially, you turn and go out of tune is microtuning, so... Mm, I suppose. Well, I, I, well, no, I suppose you're right. I mean, that's the. I, I kind of. The only thing I would say is I've sort of noticed it really when you're working with uh, things like polyphonic expression, like the Roly stuff, which is very apt because you're at the ADC. So you, you're you're bending the notes out of whack, and that really makes some very interesting chords. I don't know if you guys, uh, Gaz, do you use any microtuning into in, in terms of music? You know, musical uses because I'm I'm struggling to find a place where I would reach for that kind of stuff. Right. Right. It is a bit strange. Something that was pretty cool was uh, playing around with a monologue, the chord monologue, because that you know famously came with a bunch of Aphex Twin curated uh, micro tunings. Um, so playing around with that was quite fun actually. Um, and I, I, it, I did have a bit of an epiphany when I was playing around with it uh, in terms of some of the create, some of the creative potential. It's just kind of cool that just. The, the notes under your fingers just take on those sort of different uh, melodic qualities, you know, and finding the melody is quite interesting. I love, 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 love Indian music, you know, classical Indian music, and, uh, you know, which is obviously quarter tonal. So um, I, I do feel it is like the, this great sort of thing to explore. <laughs> we got the, the microtuning going on in the room right now. Excellent. We're <laughs> witnessing microtuning in action, folks. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, since one, it's, it's the most popular, you know, iOS synth in the world, and partly because of the micro tuning, you know, the Easter uh, scales going beyond the twelve tones, it really opens things up, and I think we're going to see more and more of that in uh, Western music. Like a Adam Neely just made this like, you know, video with a million views a couple of weeks ago about making lo-fi hip hop with micro tuning scales. Oh, so, you know, I think it's also going to take us for a couple of people to have like some hits using some microtonal scales and people are going to jump on that bandwagon. We're seeing these tools of Bitwig and Synth One and yeah, other yeah. open source platforms. Henny, I think it's over to you then, mate. You're the one who's, uh, who's, who's fly, probably closest to the cutting edge of music production in terms of what's being recognised. I mean, I, I, mean hip, I don't know whether your kind of stuff is pure hip-hop or it's more soul-based or whether, you know, so whether there's room for that kind of micro-tuning element. But quite often, certainly in, in the kind of newer generation soul stuff and the hip-hop production, that it, it bends the... It bends the melodic, you know, the, the, the rules of music and to great effect, right? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, um, I know, you know, there's guys that I work with all the time who are definitely, you know, into microtuning quite a bit. Uh, guys like Terrace Martin and others that I've worked on with uh, Kendrick Lamar. I mean, you know, we're definitely trying new ways to get uh, different soul vibes and different different feels going. But, you know, I would say I'm, uh, you know, I'm an R&B guy, I'm a hip-hop guy, soul guy, so uh, I definitely can see it in, in the production in the future for sure. I wonder, I mean, does it work, does it work, is it more effective 
with weird chords or is it more effective in terms of melody? I know, Ty, I'll come to you because you're probably, you know, like you said, uh, a bunch. Yeah, weird chords uh, can can be a bit much. for it, it depends what you're going for, but realistically, that it's almost okay. If you have a single line that, that kind of doesn't follow traditional 12 note, you know, the listener can kind of, kind of accept it if you really start doing multiple chords with multiple microtuning uh, it's almost like uh, i can't cope yeah yeah i can't cope they, they don't have anything to latch onto the whole point of you know kind of western scales is the fact it's familiarity and that people have something to latch onto they have a a base that they can keep coming back to and if you kind of lose that for a lot of people it's kind of it's just too much i mean when i was at uni you know, I, I used to write a lot of kind of microtone stuff, and it's great if you're going to treat it as proper art, serious music, and the kind that you listen to with a thinking about it rather than yeah. just enjoying it, then it's great. But if you just want to listen to it, having too much going on... So you didn't just, get many, not many plays on campus radio then, maybe? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> okay, right, cool. Uh, but if you want to get get into it, uh, basically Bitwig uh, 3.0, uh, 3.1 is out. Uh, it's, uh, not only micro pitch, there's pitch 12, there's pluck slope up, pluck slope down, follower transpose, interactive help. And there's also some interesting stuff which transforms micro tuning on input. So you could be playing and it, it, it will quantize, I think, to micro tune. I, I would have and modulate. So it looks like a pretty interesting series of things and what they're doing uh, again i guess is i don't know were were the any of the bitway people at the developer conference i mean it seems like a sort of place that that they that would make sense for them to hang out uh, i don't know if the bitwork guys are here but the ableton guys uh are definitely here so right okay, okay there's, a, there's something coming there's something coming that's the, the disembodied voice of Chris Randall here. I don't know whether that means into the room or, you know, whatever. I'm not disappointed. I'm excited. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds good. Uh, so, yeah, we've done the bit. We've done the bit. Right. And now I guess I could get on to the, uh, the, the, the video that I was going to play, which, again, I was saying it sort of makes a difference that we're, we're playing something from Behringer that's not just another synth clone. So this is this is the wing which was trailed. Uh, apparently this is a concept that's been working, you know, working on for a long time. I don't know how much of that's true or how much of it's marketing, but essentially it seems the evolution of the X32 which I can totally uh, vouch for. We have this desk uh, that the sound of this desk this Sonic's lab goes through uh, the X32. It's a great facility. It was groundbreaking in terms of features for design and price. So this is the wing. And then what they've done with this, rather than they've, they've worked on the control surface, so you don't get a lot of I.O., but you can add a lot of I.O. as you need it, as you decide <coughs> you want to use it. So it's got networking capabilities, three AES ports. It's also going to work with... Um, it will also work with your existing stage boxes, which is actually quite a smart move. They didn't go to 96K, which is interesting, uh, but you've got eight, you know, all of that kind of stuff, touchscreens and things. And it's, uh, for me, anyway, it's sort of, it seems to be where Behringer kind of are, are good, the good Behringer, uh, which the one I appreciate more, which is, you know, new design, new breaking ground and all of that kind of stuff. So, um, Ty, I know you've got the, Yam well, you've got the Yamaha. But I mean, no, I'm, I'm not. It's, I mean, I, I, what I'm trying to say is, you know, I'm not expecting you to have a pro Behringer epiphany moment. I'm just thinking in terms of the digital networked console. You know, it's not an uncommon concept to you. So I mean, the, the, as more people can get hold of this stuff. No, I, I tell you what it reminds me of. Um, 
because I had a big system like this back in the day. Do you remember the uh, Roland VM7000 series? Crikey, no. I'm going to have to do a quick search on that. Sounds big. The the hay is blowing through the deserts and uh, nobody remembers it. Okay, so back in the mid-90s, Roland did a VM7200 was the, the main system. And essentially, it was kind of modular in that you bought the fader and then all of the IOs were uh, a, a separate box. And you could have oh, up okay. to two, fader, two lots of faders, two lots of everything. So I had a 48-channel system with 48 faders, had built-in Roland effects. And the first time I saw this, there we go, that's the actual that's the brain. stage box. The stage box, that's right. the brain. And then, and I used it in the studio and it was, it was amazing. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. And that's, that's kind of what this reminds me of. There's a lot of similarities. Um, uh, and I think, you know, I never, the last Behringer mixer that I had was many, many, many years ago and was a digital desk and uh, was awful. And, and Oh, was, was that, that the one I remember? What was that called? I remember that one. It was, it was, I can't remember. it yeah, was, I, it was, it was dreadful. I mean, and it it um, it was noisy, and then it, it broke, and then it failed, and, and it, yeah. But I know for a fact, look, people people know my view on Behringer generally, but uh, this, as exactly as you said at the beginning, this is the area. This is the side of Behringer that, in my head, is not Behringer really. This is Midas. This is the Midas guys. This is, yeah. You know, this is where they they're doing something different and new, and and that's that's great. And as you say, the X thirty two was. Um, its time was amazing and depending on the price of this um three thousand you know, euros know, two not two nine, three thousand wow. euros it's three thousand two nine 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 i think uh, according to toman i did find a uh a picture of it yeah there it is okay there it is two nine nine euros so yeah, I, 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 I would like to just point out though, um, I'm pretty sure the X32 and this uh, have come out of Germany, not out. Of, uh, they've got Midas preamps, but I don't think the actual. So I think the X32 was designed and built in by the German engineering team. Just, just, uh, just. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember the name of it. So yeah. Okay. Well. Oi! Something okay. got a message. Well, in which case, in which case, move on. Fair enough. So uh, I'm coming back to you, Gaz. Uh, um, Better yeah. mixer. I, I mean, I love, I love. You know, you like the XR18. I've got the XR18. I like the X32. I think they're kind of gets quality, quality stuff, or at least a f- great feature for price kind of scenario. And the Midas preamps, as we know, are great. Um, uh, so uh, I'm just trying to think. Well, this is this has got eight IO balanced IO. It's got the Auxus Sends. It's got f- uh, yeah. 48 stereo channels, which is kind of interesting. I think that the channels operate as stereo, which is kind of cool. Um, uh, it doesn't yeah. go to 96k. Uh, also, you've got I think 64 channels of SD card recording plus a, four, a 32 huh? IO USB card as standard plus audio networking. Which it, what would be great is if it had AVB because then you could just plug it into a Mac and just you know you'd, you'd be golden. But I don't think it has that as standard. They've got their, well, they've got their own. They've had their own standard for a while, though, haven't they? Their, their own one. Uh, well, no, they chose AES 50. It just wasn't the one that everybody else went for. So there are Dante options oh, for this and That's Maddie it. options, which right. are which you can, but yeah. Oh, I gotcha, I gotcha. But I mean, like, you know, the X32 was, you know, an absolute sort of 
milestone in um, in mixing desk history, I suppose. Is it right that that's the best-selling live mixer now? Or, could be, could be. I, I don't know. I mean, it depends who you ask. I'll ask uh, if you ask Behringer. Yeah, yeah. Say, yeah. But, mm. um, but it's, it's, what's curious about this is, obviously, it's got a very distinct new look. It looks very different from the previous models. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, the name Wing as well. I wonder now if this is if we're going to see, like with the X32, we saw the X32 essentially being um, turned into a whole load of other, you know, spun into a whole load of other products, you know, the, 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 the compact producer, the you know the X Air and um, and various things. So so I'm kind of interested to see if like the wing you know is is going to be. Just, I don't. Uh, yeah, you know, it, I take your point. It's interesting though because what they've gone for here is all the capabilities on the that you've got a massive control surface with less I/O. With so that you, the starting point is hasn't got that much I/O, but you can you can either plug it into your existing right. I/O if you've got you know Behringer stage boxes or Maddie or whatever it is, you can get those <laughs> options. So it's I, I, the idea of shrinking. Maybe they'll do a smaller version. I don't know. I noticed everybody so, seems I mean, to have left left your side. Is it? Is uh, everybody? I've got. No, we, no, no, ah, no, there we, we go. We're, 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 we're still right. here, just ducking out. Yeah. <laughs> ah, there we go. I, I tell you what, I'm curious yeah. about is you yeah, guys. Yeah, uh, so what? What? Do, I mean, do you still, Chris? I mean, I don't know what your music production kind of uh, background or skills are. Do you still have a console, and what console do you have? No, if you I, what... I gave up. I gave up a console years ago. My home studio is Dante, though, so I have several different interfaces depending on what I need. I've got a couple of the little focus right boxes for headphones around my house. I can just plug it right into the network, and I have two in, two out. You know. Uh, I've got a couple of Yamaha stage boxes for hooking up all my ridiculous nonsense. So it depends on what I need. I just move it around the house, and then I can. I have a matrix in uh, in on my main studio computer where I can just, you know, I use the H nine thousand as kind of the hub of the of the whole thing, and uh, I have eight analog I/O in that, which my five hundred rack plugs into. It's kind of a complicated system, but. Dante makes it so I can just mix and match, you know, whatever I might need for the context and the rest can just go on the shelf. I'm not stuck with a monolithic control surface. You know? Yeah, <clears throat> that's interesting. I know, Henny, I mean, um, I guess, you know, you maybe you're still using iOS stuff in your scenario. I mean, are you just going straight to a sound card or have you got, um, or have you got any kind of mixing surface or console or control that you use to mix or are you doing it purely on, on, on screen, as it were? Um, yeah, I mean, I have quite a few interfaces, and I also have uh, a studio at the college that I teach at where we have an SSL 900. Um, but I majorly use, like, you know, the Apogee products, the Duet, the, the um, Apogee One, the Apogee Jam, the Apogee Hype Mic. So I do, I, I use a lot of uh, very mobile products. I use the Zoom products, the H6, the uh, U22. Um, I have a few rolling. Uh, or Yamaha mixers that can be plugged in directly to, you know, iPad. So whatever I need, I have, you know, but it's usually very small and everything is usually done on screen. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because, I mean, <clears throat> even though, you know, the, the, the cutting edge of working produ production-wise on iOS, you're very far away from the cutting edge of the audio networking and the audio of IP. I mean, I guess you can probably pipe stuff out. I don't know, does the, does the iPad have 
AVB connectivity yet? Or is there a way of moving multiple channels over network out of an iPad? I don't know if there is. It's usually con uh, just controlling controlling stuff like that. But I suppose you're just moving the whole thing. There's no need to. You just walk into the room you want it in and you're in it, I suppose, <laughs> to so a degree. With the wing, though, the wing is marketed primarily as a live desk. Then. It's not, not like it's not marketed as a studio. I think is, both. Is I mean, I think, I think to be honest, I mean, it's got, uh, it's, I think it's going to have... Uh, MCU uh, control as standard, so it does all of that stuff. There was an article on uh, Pro Tool users, Pro Tool expert, uh, which I don't think I've got up, where they're saying, actually, is this something that would be pretty cool for a studio? And I guess with all the audio networking, you could kind of see how that would be the case because you could just plug in all your stage boxes and route. I think it's got a two-port audio networking USB hub in it as well, but it also got the uh, the 32 IO over USB. I mean, I, I know that you and I both use the XR18 as a straight sound card, you know, so you could use this as a straight sound card and just route, because it's got 28 internal buses. I can't remember what it's got. It's got 28 buses, so oh, you okay. can just ping it wherever you want. I'm pretty sure. That's an audio interface, so it's still, it's still got 48K is its top. top yeah, point. that's, so they, like, they've that's stuck strange. with that. Right. Well, so I think the... the, the, the this question came up and the idea was that it would be compatible with previous stage boxes and stuff so people wouldn't have to re to completely re redo their entire workflow i think that was the you know the, their entire kit and certainly for live people you want to be selling you want to be selling the new desk to the guy who's just got 16 or 32 channels of stage box and doesn't have to buy because that's expensive that stuff 16 channels of stage box whatever flavor you use is probably a grand yeah, pot you know so so you know that's yamaha Kia. A what? Yamaha Tio is the best stage box return on your investment ever made. Man. 16, mm -hmm. 16 in, 8 out. High, the high quality Yamaha preamps is Dante, so you got to have a Dante rig. <laughs> but it's, they, uh, they put the, the stage box as a loss leader for the console, so they're paying the Dante license out of the console, so that extra couple hundred dollars isn't figured into the stage box. So it's only $900. Yeah, that's it there, right? Yeah. Right? Ah. That's, I use that for all my tape decks, all my multi-track tape decks. Oh, that's an interesting it's idea. Fantastic box. Not the, I mean, I wouldn't want to record a band with it, I don't think. It would work. You could do live sound with it for sure. But uh, but for my tape, I oh, it's fantastic. Or a bunch right. of effects or something. Top tip. That's a great idea. Yeah. Ah. Well, as we know, Gaz, I mean, if you want high res, you know, you just got to go up. AX, AXR4T, right? <laughs> If you want 300, hey, yeah. 384 kilohertz, 32-bit, you know, if that's your bag, why ever not? Yeah, 32-bit <laughs> integer. Yeah, 32-bit integer. But <laughs> a 10, times the, 10 times the data cost. Yeah, that's right. Scared. Need a lot of drives, a lot of, a lot of drives. <laughs> um, okay, right, where are we? So it's quarter two. Um, I'm wondering about control. Let's maybe, I haven't got a video for this, but this was, uh, let me see if I can find it. There's the Fader Fox, which is, uh, Oh yeah. where is it? Uh, oh, hold on, I might have not opened a page. I'll just, uh, let me see. I've got it here somewhere. Fader, uh, let me see. No, no, no. I'll grab it. It's an easy thing to open. Yeah, this was the so this was the new Fader Fox box that actually uh, Peter Kern on uh, Create Digital Music uh, was posting. I'm just trying to find the open window. Let's see if this is so if the network will open. Yeah, 
there's no videos on it yet, uh, but this new Fader Fox, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, it's nothing, nothing sort of, it doesn't look that terribly exciting, but actually it's pretty powerful because you've got lots of banks. I, I think there's up to 256. So that would be, I don't know, 16 banks of 16, I guess. So there's, yeah, 16 rotor encoders, but you're labeled as well. And it's got MIDI IO and USB IO. And it looks like a really, really cool box because you could recall all those configurations and they'll be labeled up. And then because they're rotaries, you're not getting into that, oh, where's the knob? You know, and that's the thing that really works very well. And it certainly works. That's the same kind of concept that works really, really well on the Hydrosynth is they're all rotaries. It's a shame we haven't got the, the ring around them. But I think, I don't know if it shows the actual... Uh, and it doesn't show the value, but maybe it does when you turn it. I mean, as there are no videos, I'm going to have to basically, you know. So, <clears throat> Ty, I'll come to you again. Um, Controller-wise, I mean, your desk is essentially, you know, it's an analog desk, but it's a controls. Do, do you, are you, you you using many much in the way of actual controllers for controlling other things like that? Would this be something that would have a place in your studio? I've got loads of this kind of stuff. I used to use, I used to use a lot of MIDI controllers. Um, but now everything's kind of either in the desk or, you know, I can access everything from one of the complete keyboards or the, you know, the SL or because um, I've got the controller for the, I can't remember what it's called for the SL. So, I mean, I used to, yeah, I think it's great. I, you know, there was back in the day, I used to be a Kenton control freak man, you know, that, do you remember the Kenton control yeah, freak? Yeah, I think we've got, we've got one or had one here, yeah. Yeah, I've still got mine, but I've got I've bought loads of these kind of things. And as I said a few years ago, I used to use have them all mapped out and set up. And now just less and less really. They're all kind of integrated into the keyboard. Or, or as you say, the desk has got you can assign almost anything to anything on the desk. And so I don't really but use it that much. You know, something like this that much. But I mean, if you haven't got a controller, you know, I've said so many times, you can never have enough controllers ever. And uh, the way that the labeling on this one works, it's it's not ideal. The fact that you don't know what the values are isn't ideal. But again, for 299, I mean, you know, it's a lot in there for 299. And it's compact, yeah, very compact. <clears throat> Which yeah, is really cool. so, so it, look, it looks great. It's not for me, but it looks... Years ago, you know, five, ten years ago, I would have absolutely jumped at this, but not now. They make a lot. Fader Fox make a lot of specialized controllers. I don't know whether you, any of you guys are working in control. Henning, I'm I'm going to come back to you as well because I know that you know. Okay, so iOS stuff. I mean, it doesn't mean you wouldn't use MIDI controllers. I mean, what do you use to input keys, for instance? I mean, and does that have element controls? Do you have hardware controller stuff in your rig at all? Uh, <laughs> do I have hardware controllers in my rig? Um, yes, I have uh, quite a few. I, I use. Uh, CME X-Key products, um, so I have the X-Key Air, um, X-Key 37, and then I also use the Nectar Panorama 61. Um, we have some other uh, keyboards and stuff like that, but it's mostly keyboard things. I don't have a lot of uh, um, pad controllers as much. I just use mostly keyboard stuff. And do you use, I mean, do you, I mean, because we use MIDI Designer Pro here, which you can sort of build, you know, whatever interface you want. I mean, do you, do you create control? Do you have control applications that you use or are you just basically just grabbing hold of the stuff that's available on the screen in the app itself? Uh, yeah, I, 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 um, I don't have a MIDI controllers like that, no. no. Ah, okay. All right, cool. 
Um, and oh, Gaz, yeah. I know. I mean, you're, you know, well, we we saw. I don't know if you saw Yoad's uh, studio. I mean, his massive, massive Neve studio yeah. with his 256 MIDI ports and everything is mapped to these little logic, uh, logic, uh, uh, um, what are they called? Environments, and the whole thing is running off a of Behringer BCR. <laughs> Two thousand. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely crazy, you know. And he, so, and this is it. This is built into the centre section of his desk. But he's absolutely, you know, he, what he likes about it is just to be able to. Everything is right there in his sweet listening spot. So, I mean, you know, there is a place. It's just that sometimes it can take. I wonder whether it takes more time than it saves to set these things up. Well, yeah, but I mean, that screen is certainly going to help on this little fader fox. But do you remember a couple of weeks ago, we covered uh, another very similar product, didn't we? That was in, um, I think it was on a Kickstarter or something, wasn't it? There was another small form oh, controller sure. that had, uh, uh, and yes. that sort of had a slightly better interface, look, a better looking interface. I mean, what's great about fader fox stuff typically is the really small footprint. You know, they are very compact little units, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and you know they got nice. I really like the feel of them, but they are they are really kind of pretty small things. But yeah, the thing we looked at the other day, remember, it was when Robbie was on the show. I can't remember the name of it now, but it was a you know, similar thing. Oh, he was um, going to buy it, wasn't he? Yeah, I remember now. Yeah, <laughs> that's right on the show. I've got a tighter close-up. Yeah. This will do apparently up to four thousand and ninety-six controls. Just just saying. In case you happen to need yeah, it. Yeah, right. So, I mean, yeah, and I assume... You can remember with the spell <laughs> Well, that's why you label them. Yeah. I used the first three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the top row. But, yeah. But I guess that's quite cool, though. I guess if, if, the, if the memory allows you to store various settings, um, I don't know if they'll release... Uh, Templates for yeah, I I really don't know. There's not that much information on the website other than the uh, the, the but the you know, the, uh, just the general thing. I don't know if there's a if there is an editor for it. It'll do NRPNs. It'll do uh, a control change or pitch bend, 14-bit controllers. So you know you get all of that. In turn, you got 16 memories. So uh, right, 16 memories. Okay. 16, 16 times 4,096. So okay. Well, that should do most people, I'd imagine, apart from Yoan, yeah. possibly. Yeah. Got, is there a price on it? Uh, yeah, it's 299 euros. So it's it's premium, okay. but it's it's teeny tiny yeah. and it's sort of thing that you chuck in your mouth. You tend to see people using them in sort of small, compact Ableton Live setups where they're taking their computers. Yeah. Uh, and that was. Oh, incidentally, um, one of the reasons we were up in London yesterday was to see the new MacBook 16-inch uh, MacBook Pro. So we got like a kind of look at that, and that was kind of cool. And one of the things that they did, and I know you guys were uh, were laughing at this, but they sh they were very keen to show the integration with the iPad Pro stuff, where you get you know what's it called Sidecar. Um, where you can use, which, you know, I mean, on the face of it, it's like, hey, look, there's another screen. That makes sense. Yeah, great. I don't know if it's done over Wi-Fi or Bluetooth Wi-Fi, I hope, because it would have to be, you know, there's a lot of data moving around. Because it was, it was, it was, it was wired. It can be direct as well. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, USB-C, USB-C. Ah, okay. But uh, one thing that they did do, which I thought was kind of cool, was, you know, you can basically move a plug-in or an interface onto the window and then use the multiple touch to control all of that stuff. So it's a sort of a sideway, a, a backdoor way into multi-touch on an Apple desktop device, which I thought was kind of interesting. And it is a, the sound of it was awesome and the power was amazing and all of those things. But uh, yeah, it was... And it brought the escape key back. 
The escape keys no, come back. Nobody's for uh, taking it in the first place. Yeah, well, they made they did a they did a they, they played us this swanky video. I mean, it wasn't really an interactive experience. They kind of presented at us, and we had about two <laughs> time for a question. But um, yeah. there was a bit where they were talking to a developer, and she said, "And I've got the escape key back," which obviously is uh, Chris. I'm sure your your guys will be delighted at the fact that there's an escape key back on the latest Max when you when you upgrade all your stuff, right? Oh yeah, uh, nothing I love more than adding to my stack of Macs. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, actually, one thing they did say was the MacBook Pro was the 15 is the best selling Mac product that they make. I have, I have two, so I'm part of that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I have. I've got three in this room, and I've had ones before that. So I've got three generations of MacBook in this room, which you know, I, I they. Mine, fortunately, have never fallen apart. The one before this, I had that thing where they, uh, they had the, uh, the graphics card used to get really hot and it would melt and then yeah. your screen wouldn't work anymore. And the only way they could fix yeah. it was they'd send it back and they'd reflow the solder. And if that fixed it, then great. Otherwise, new motherboard. And that's one thing I have to say. There's a really good article, again, on uh, Pro Tools Expert about the whole kind of you know desirability, uh, the, 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 the re, uh, recyclability and how they like these ridiculously cheap chips that can break your machine. That I, had the, I had the battery blow problem on, my, on one of my 2015 It almost it bent the unibody. And then when they did the recall, I sent it in, and they they sent me, it had the same screen, but otherwise everything else was new. Ah, okay. So um, they might as well just sent. So I basically got, just got a brand new 2015. That's cool. I know, Ty. I mean, so you know, your mobile, your mobile rig, Ty. I'd imagine, you know, I don't know what what your current MacBook is, but I mean, it's going to be pretty integral to when you are working your writing system when you're going to be moving around. Uh, I guess you've one looked. of these. I've just ordered one of these new 16 inches, and then right. my my rig at the moment is based on whatever the latest, the one before 15 inches. And I'm like you, they're, they're sitting around doing stuff. But the new 16 inch, they look fantastic. So so that kind of, you know, looking forward to that arriving when it eight, arrives. Eight terabyte SSD. Uh, you could put an eight terabyte yeah. SSD in it, which is no, I didn't, kind of I didn't, I, didn't put, I didn't put eight in. I put four in. Right. But so. you, put, you put a lot of RAM in it as well, which I think for your work is going to be, you know, that was all it was. I basically just maxed it out, and the only thing I didn't max out was the four uh, terabyte instead of the eight terabyte. Yeah, what? Well, because that I guess was the only it... thing that didn't make sense. So, for again, for you know, kind of from the kind of stuff I do, as you say, the RAM's the important bit. So, yeah, so, yeah. absolutely, cool. So, um, sorry, carry on. No, I was only going to say, going back to the sidecar bit. I've been doing that for ages with, um, I think it's called Luna. There's been a, it was a Kickstarter thing a couple of years ago where it's a, like a little uh, USB thing, USB-C thing that goes on the side and then links to another screen. And it's like, it's amazing because it's exactly just like you've got two screens using an iPad Pro or another Mac book and it completely integrates the two of them visually. It's called Luna, I think. So I've had that kind of thing for ages and it really makes a difference, so... I know. I wish we could probably do that here. KVR. I mean, the other thing that we went up to, uh, we saw the YouTube uh, uh, building. A guy called Darren, uh, who's one of the the, the chief engineer audio guy up there. He took us for a tour, uh, the one at uh, the YouTube Creator Center. And we went into the basement and saw the kind of the server rooms and all that stuff. And the whole building, all the stuff 
there's a KVR down there that basically lets you connect any single computer. So because everything's networked and in the basement and all it's all kind of fired over fiber and cat five and stuff. And it was just really cool to be able to kind of because obviously you run upstairs, you're going, oh, yeah, I need to change that. Oh, I think there's a, something needs patching in the basement. You go to the basement and you need to know what's on the screen so you can get to it. I mean, the, that is a cutting edge facility, man. I've never seen anything like it. It was absolutely awesome. But uh, yeah, that was one of the reasons we were up there yesterday. I was, I was curious about Sidecar. And I, I wonder if anyone in the chat room can actually find this out or if they know whether you can run, like, say, a Mac Mini or a you know, uh, macro uh, headless, you know, without any, you know, and only use uh, an iOS screen. Oh, you know. I remember there was, because we had, actually, we had headless Mac minis here, but you had to have some sort of head plugged in, But um, which in this case, before we went to our new system, they were coming into HDMI inputs in our vision mixer so that they there was a way to access them. I don't know that whether I mean I mean obviously the big the big deal is with the 16-inch MacBook is it's going to be running Catalina, which as we know, you know has had problems and there will undoubtedly be some of the software that you use every day may not actually yeah. make make it across because either the developers no longer developing or you know they yeah. haven't caught up or whatever and that's that's a risk you know and I think that's that's probably one of the reasons we got invited to go to Apple because they really want to help us help us spread the word that it's a cool machine and sell them because people are going to be holding off. I mean, I'd hold off. I don't know whether that was an uh, was that anything was that part of your buying decision? No, I mean because I know it's not. I know there are going to be issues. I know there's going to be problems. It's just kind of accept. It's just the way it is. Unfortunately, I'm. It's with that. I'm, it's, I, that's almost going to be my test bed because because I've got this time off. It means that there's not going to be any urgent deadlines done on that. So you can when it figure arrives. it out. So, so that I'd be, be able to try it out. I mean, but, you know, I'm still running my main systems. I'm still running 10 point. I don't know what it is. 12. I think I'm still running Sierra or whatever. Yeah. And that's, that's going nowhere near bloody Catalina until that's sorted. So it's almost a, this is just a nice one for me to stick it on and, well, it'll already be on, and yeah. and kind of test the waters with it, really. Well, we're uh, they said they were going to send us down one down to test, which is horrible because obviously I'm going to have to send it back. Cause there's no way I can afford a new one, but uh, so we'll probably have one for thirty days. I might chuck a few things on it and just see what the issues are and how it is to work. Just you know, give a kind of rough overview of it, and then. I'll be standing at the doorway, waving with a handkerchief, tearful, that tearful farewell when it's got to be, got to leave. Um, yeah. I just want to, know, want to know if it'll work with sort of the older USB 2 audio interfaces as well, you know, whether that's still going to be problematic. I don't know. I mean, I did ask them actually specifically about that, and they said they've been working their way through. Every time they update the firmware and update DOS, they're kind of crossing more yeah. of the ones that don't work off the list. You know, that, that, okay. that so that's, that's what they do. said. Mm. Just a quickie, Nick, you know, you mentioned about YouTube. There is quite big news for creators about YouTube now. YouTube is, has now adopted the minus 14 LUFS uh, standard, yes, which is a major, major deal now, just in terms of uh, having some sort of standardised uh, approach to mastering for YouTube. So, well, I so probably was, need to find out about that and figure out what we need to do because I, I have no idea what this podcast goes out to. It goes out right. sort of <laughs> as loud as possible. That's that yeah. seems to be the fixing. Yeah, it goes out <laughs> as loud as possible. Uh, it go, actually it goes into Neutron Two. I think we've got a plug-in across the output bus, which kind of gives it the sort of FM radio smile and heavy compression and whatnot. So. I know. Do you? Do, does anybody else work to a kind of uh, standard for YouTube video? I mean, you probably have to work because 
you know, do you de- deliver your masters at the, at the highest possible crank or do you just whatever? Do you know what? There's a whole load of school of thought of doing what I do, no, put it in with no processing on or no, put it in as loud as possible. I don't really know what I do, to be fair. It's, I honestly don't know kind of how I deliver. I, I go through, pro, you know, I, I stick um, some isotope stuff on it. Uh, I stick ozone on it at the end and I, depending on the track, but honestly, I don't get hung up on all that kind of stuff because at the end of the day, someone's going to have a fader on it anyway before it makes it out. So I kind of don't get precious about these things. I just kind of honestly, and I, and, and you're right. I, I I know composers who go into this whole limit of you know they give the best for the you know, standards. I don't give a monkeys really. It leaves the studio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the programs that he goes out. Oh God, I shouldn't say that, should I? No. Um, well, you've seen them about. You've probably seen them all about five thousand times each. You know, I so. don't want to see any of them again. Ever. Yeah, I think that's fair. But you, you see, if, if you use ozone now, I think it's been in it from the last version as well. But in the loudest maximizer, you can actually there's a little Set switch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you can I said Instagram is minus fourteen. They have been for a while. I noticed if you can get away with pegging it, but if you have a clear tones like uh, Rhodes or some, you know, FM sounds, it'll distort real heavily if you go above 12. Oh. So I've been putting, I've been uploading an Instagram to four, minus 14 for a couple of years now. So, right, I need to have a chat. So no- <laughs> <laughs> we need to fix. We probably need to fix a whole bunch of things. We need. A, we just need to put something probably across the final bus. So, I mean, we're just using Classic Master Limiter. I mean, I tend not to. I tend not to slam stuff in terms of our reviews. I don't want to because I want it to sound as natural as possible. I'll, I'll, I'll maybe slam the vocals well, to keep them above, but I won't. I, I'll try and keep all of the other stuff pretty much untouched. But that's just because I have to. Yeah, most, uh, I think, in most. YouTube is tuned for talking, you know, so I think as long as it's just talking like this for the most part, you can slam it and it's fine. But if you're putting up music that you want to sound good and YouTube as an audio delivery mechanism is super popular, you know, so it, I would think that, that just switching those on the lefts and putting it up no higher than minus 12, you're going to get the best results. Right. That's well worth knowing. That's my opinion. Well, guys, uh, I think we're probably fairly close to the end of the show. Gaz, you sound like you have something to add. I just want to say about something funny that happened on the first day here at the ADC 19 here in the Mermaid in uh, London. Uh, There was a a quiz on the first night. (laughs) (laughs) And you won, right? All right, so we had a good team. We could have brought it home. We got this is he's not gonna tell the story right. So we had a <laughs> we had a six-person team and they were very good. And then one of them left. Hey, I was stolen. I was kicked yeah, out. One of them left the team, and that team that he left to won because of his help. <laughs> and they all got that. He got wouldn't tell the tell them now tell them the rest of the story. Go, go to after after that team won. I was kidnapped. I was kidnapped against my wishes, I do have to say. But then I thought, well, it's okay, because we, we, we won't win. But then we did. We won. And everyone won uh, synthesizers. I won a um, mini boot too. Wow. Okay. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to go back to this lot. We're all going, drinks and boot. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. We'll have yeah. to do a quiz. We, I think we need to get some kind of a quiz thing going on uh, on a 
for for a Sonic well, like, maybe we wear. maybe we could do a yeah. quiz a Sonic talk <laughs> quiz I think that would be kind of fun oh, that'd be amazing. I don't know if there's any prizes or not but we could maybe figure <laughs> out a way to to get this can be, get this can, go this can be Christmas episode Christmas episode a quiz Sonic yeah maybe, that sounds like a great idea maybe we could get some prizes or something together that might, that sounds like a good idea I like yeah, the sound of that idea. okay well Folks, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I should point out next week uh, we have uh, Tori Letzler on, who is uh, uh, you might have seen her. We did an interview with her from Japan. She's an LA based um, uh, composer and singer. She does some great stuff. So she'll be on, uh, uh, and whoever else is on as well. And oh, look, we've got the whole gang have come into the picture. We've got uh, Henny the Business, and we've got uh, Matt Fesher, and we've got. Uh, um, Chris from Audio Damage, and we got Gaz. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Uh, we'll put links to everybody's stuff in the show notes. And uh, Henny, if you've got any partying left in you today after last night, then I guess you're going to have a kind of post-Grammy non-party. Congratulations on your nomination, mate. That's awesome. But thank you very much for joining us. And Ty, also thanks for joining us. Uh, I hope you have. Uh, you, you look visibly more relaxed and less stressed out already. When the, when you yeah. So uh, we'll have to we'll have to hook up again and uh, lovely to see you all. So uh, that's it for this week. What is, oh, before we go, actually, I should say uh, it's this one, isn't it? I bet it should just reiterate the competition. Um, thank you for uh, to Ozotope. Ozotope. Don't remember if you want or do remember if you want to win a copy of Ozone Advance. We're looking for the hashtag Match EQ and the hashtag Ozone Nine to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. So that's it for this week. Uh, thank you very much, everybody. We'll uh, wave yeah. goodbye as we leave uh, the wave. building. Thank you, everybody. Have a good time in London. See you all next time. Take care. Bye now. <laughs>